Hi, I'm Lexi and that's Alicia. We are two college students who met during the Disney College program and bonded over our love for all things spooky. From true crime to ghost stories, we will cover it all. Hi guys! Hello! It's the first podcast of the new year! Okay, so it's been really difficult because now that we're in a new year, because I have a like one of those like I don't know if you've seen them, but it's like the five year journals where you write like a sentence a day or something. I bought one of those oh for gosh. this year. I have one of those, but it's for five years. And so you're supposed to like it just says twenty blank and you're supposed to write the year and I like Wait, is yours blue with gold on the front? No, mine is oh, okay. like it's it has like prompts every day, which is what I really like because oh, okay. I don't have to, like, just write random thoughts for the day because, like, I never did that. But I've done this consistently for almost, like, over a year now, which is really cool. But oh, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Wow. But so it, the, it has, like, the 20 blanks so that you can write the year. And for the first four days of 2019, I kept writing 2018. So I had to go and cross them out like a loser. <laughs> and put 2019. Yeah, I was so mad when I noticed it. I was like, what the heck? So that's my, oh shoot, my chapstick broke. I'm having a great year. <laughs> new year, new Alicia. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun time. I start school tomorrow. I was telling Lexi about it. I am stressed, but I only have two more terms and then... You'll be done! Then I'm done! Yay! You're almost there. I'm so excited. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Should we? we we'll, no, we'll talk about we're talking about it at the end. Okay, cool. Okay, I was like, uh, okay. I'm gonna keep that part in there though, because we said that at the exact same time. <laughs> we 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 both knew. We have a very exciting thing to talk about later. I'm so excited. I literally was shaking when you said that. I was so excited. <laughs> so excited. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, how was your Christmas and New Year's? Good. It was very busy. So obviously, like, this is going to be late because we've both been really busy. I just, well, I didn't just come back. I came back today's Sunday. So I just came back on Monday. I was in Texas. I was in Austin for like six days because I am in an awesome service fraternity yikes but we had our national convention in austin and i was there and it was super duper busy and i was like just doing stuff the entire time i also forgot my microphone at my dorm so i didn't have anything to record with but i also went to disneyland and i love disneyland so that was great oh yeah i forget now that we do like bi-weekly like we have so much catching up on like didn't record for a month so yeah we haven't recorded in a while so it's been it's been a while, but yeah, it was it was pretty good. I definitely don't feel relaxed at all. I feel very anxious and stressed just because it didn't feel like I had any time to relax, but I'm hoping I'll have some time. I won't have time this term, but I'm hoping I can find some time just to like, you know, take a little bit of time for myself. So what about you? Mine was really good. Mm-hmm. I... Christmas was good. I spent it, you know, with my family. I got, I got an an Alexa, and I had to whisper, I that to whisper because she's like right there. So then she'll start talking to me if I said her name, and I know she's spying on me all the time. But also, she's really helpful. So, you know, pros and cons. But I also got some AirPods because I'm real super basic. I don't get the hype about AirPods. I'm so sorry, Lexi, but why? 
because I don't like cords, and I've been traveling and will be traveling a lot this coming year, and it's just easier when I'm on the plane to not have to worry about my cords being tangled up. And I tried to take my brothers to Disney, and he wouldn't let me, so then I asked my parents for some for Christmas. So <laughs> I would stop asking him for his. It just, it doesn't fit in my ear. Oh, see, I mean, I have different, I feel like my ears are different shape, because one of them fits fine, and the other one is like, oh, that's too big for your ear. But it's fine. I'm also really confused, because, like, why all of a sudden is, like, the hype so real? I feel like... We've had AirPods for a while. Why is all of a sudden everyone like freaking out about AirPods? Did they change? Like, is something new about them? I don't think so. I think they're the same. I just wanted them because my brother got them like last year, and I keep asking him to borrow them, and he keeps telling me no. So instead of buying them myself, I asked my parents for them. Because I know I got AirPods with my phone last. Like when I I got my new phone, like it's not new anymore. I got my phone last year while I was like in disney because i need a new phone because mine broke and mine came with airpods with airpods yeah in like 2017 i'm pretty sure like the iphone 7 i also might be crazy i don't think so i have an iphone 7 and i never got airpods maybe i'm crazy weird but yeah oh and then i got a uh, face cleaner you know like a it's not like a clarisonic but it's like it's not clarisonic brand but it's like a clarisonic yeah i love those things I got one of those, and I've been doing really good cleaning my face, so... Proud of you. Proud of myself, too. But, yeah. Oh, and then New Year's, I spent it with my... um, Well, they're not just my work friends. They're also my real-life friends, too. But I spent my New Year's with them, and we played What Do You Mean? And we played Cards Against Humanity, and we almost forgot got to ring in the new year i looked at my watch and it was like two minutes till and i was like oh no guys and then we tried <laughs> to find a countdown and we couldn't so i just started one on, on my like on instagram like they had the countdown like, i just like started one and we were seven seconds away and so the last seven seconds of 2018 were me panicking about almost missing the new year so that's so funny yeah but i mean we ended up doing it and it was so much fun yeah i did not do anything for New Year's because one, I'm 20, so it, I can't do much legally. <laughs> two, I flew back from Austin on the 31st, and after, like, it was right after Austin. Well, I was like the last day while I was there, I started to feel sick, so my throat started turning. And so then, like, we got off the plane. I was just tired. I was still, I still feel like I'm on Austin time. It's been like a week. But I told Lexi, like, I was like, I, I cannot stay awake past 9 o'clock. And I don't know. I'm supposed to, like, watch a movie and hang out with my friends after this. I don't know if I'll be able to stay awake. I have to, like, do some work, though. So I better be able to. And so I went to sleep. I did not ring in the new year. I went to sleep at, like, 9.30. Oh, wow. It was magical. <laughs> I was like, whatever. But, yeah, it's fine. But so, okay, so I'm Japanese. I don't know. I don't know if I talk about it. Who knows? Anyways. I think I think so. Hey, either way, so I'm half. But in Japan, like, New Year's is a big deal. Like, a lot of Asian countries, like, in a different way. So we have something called a Toshidama, which is... I don't know what that means, but it's New Year's money. So for New Year's, you get money for just, like, living your best life. From and who? It- like, parents? From your parents, from your family, whatever. So I always get it every year from my grandma and my mom. 
and I always forget. I kind of don't forget about it, but you always, I always forgot how much it was mm-hmm. because like, we get money for Christmas. Like I got money for Christmas and then like a week later I got more money and it was like, whoa, this is fantastic. So anyways, I love money is what I'm yeah. saying. Oh, oh, okay. I love money. But my mom said that once I start becoming independent and like don't have a phone bill, oh, <laughs> like, once I'm paying for my own phone bill, which is also the same time I can get a tattoo. She won't give me Otoshidama anymore, which is really sad. So it's like, how oh. long? So it's like, I want it to speed up so I can get a tattoo, but I also like want that money. Yeah. Or just don't ever move out of her house. Well, no, I'm definitely moving out of her house <laughs> as soon as I can. It's not like I don't love my mom. It's just that I, I cannot stay in this state for the rest of my life. Yeah. Understandable. Yes. It'll be great. It'll be great. All right, do we want to get into this? Because like I told you, I told Alicia, mine's 12 pages long. This is ridiculous. This theme, so we decided to actually like finally do something that we thought we'd done, but we never did, which is serial killers. Well, male serial killers. Okay, but like serial killers, like, you know, like it's very rare for a female. I know we're going to do a female serial killer episode at some point, but like this is right now. Yeah, true. So am I going first? Yeah, it's true crime therefore you go first mine is not that long like okay so the thing is is that this person is crazy like there's so much more information about this person out there mine too (laughs) but i just like couldn't like i literally like to be transparent this is just the wikipedia article oh my gosh i'm basically just reading that wikipedia i'm so excited to know who you're gonna do to see if it was the one i wanted to do but the thing okay so everyone knows this person because this is America's first serial killer, H.H. Holmes. Oh my, <laughs> that wasn't who I was going to do. My brother, though, literally goes, you need to do H.H. Holmes. You need to do H.H. Holmes. He's like, do H.H. Holmes. I'm like, no, Jordan. I wanted to do John Wayne Gacy. That's how I wanted to I, do I, That's exactly what I thought. I was like, it's going to be the clown. Mm-hmm. That's who I, I wanted, gonna- but... I was going to ask you that, but like, so because we, we, we don't want to do the same person, obviously. So Lexi asked me what state it was from. And I was like, Illinois, because it is like it, most of it takes place Chicago, in Chicago, yeah. which is Illinois. And so does is John Wayne Gacy. And I knew it, but yeah, well, I'll I'm tell my brother that he can listen to this episode because you did it. You know what? I bet you did Bundy. No. What? You didn't do Bundy? You just wait and see. Oh, I don't know who it's any more serial killers after that. Oh, Dahmer. <laughs> That's it. I only know three serial killers. It's Dahmer. <laughs> Just wait and see. It's Dahmer. Okay. It is. Okay. It's fine. So, okay. So, I really like this because, I don't know. I guess this is like, I just, I was reading this and I was like, well, I've already known about this, obviously. Yeah. And I, I never actually finished reading The Devil in the White City because it was just too long for me. <laughs> I just didn't have time. I have it somewhere in my house. I promise. But everyone knows it from that. And I was thinking about it and I was like, man, like, it's just so cool. Like, he made, like, a house with, like, all these weird things about it. And I was like, I think I just, like, really like weird architecture because, like, you, you know, talked about the winter, the, yeah, Winchester. It's one of my favorite places. So, like, I just think, like, it's just that. Like, should I have been an architecture major? I don't know. It's too late to change that. <laughs> it's too late i'm too far in so we're talking about this guy who is so so weird and so cool and it's basically like i'm so sorry like i really did not have a whole lot of time to do that much research because one i knew it was gonna be a lot 
and who I've been in the middle of RA training for the past two days. Yeah. And well, I so think Lore is- did it, so didn't they? Lore also did it. Everyone does it. So Everyone if does. you really want more information, go listen to Lore. <laughs> or read The Devil in the White City. But If you want to listen to something instead of reading, like me, go <laughs> listen. There's so much on this guy, and... but. I was basically going to say, it's the Wikipedia page. Oh, like, it's gosh. the Wikipedia page. I just changed a few words. It's fine. This, this is girl, I spent received. forever on mine. I know. I feel bad. But you know what? I can tell a good story. So that's what's that's, important. That's important. All right. Okay. So, he was born. So, H.H. Holmes stands for Henry Howard Holmes. Like, Holmes, like Sherlock Holmes. Just to let you know. But that's not his real name. He was born Herman Webster Mudgett, which is not any better. And he was born in 1861 in New Hampshire. And his family was a farming family. They were devout Methodists. And so, you know, like the serial killer pattern, like everyone's like, oh, they killed animals when they were young and they were abused by their father. So there's a lot of reports about that Mm -hmm. in a lot of like modern day books because they want him to fit that standard pattern. But like, Nothing from his childhood actually showed any proof of this. So that's a lie. There's a lot of things that's like, it's a lie about him. <laughs> so it's just all like, just like speculation. It's all just like fake. <laughs> like just straight oh, up fake. Okay. Not even speculation. Just made up. Exactly. So H.H. Holmes, at this time, so Herman Webster Mudgett graduated high school at the age of 16. And after he graduated, he took some like teaching jobs around his hometown, just, you know, trying to make a living for himself. And then in 1871, he married his first wife, Clara Lovering. And then they had a son named Robert, who was born in 1880. At the age of 18, Herman Webster Mudgett, a.k.a. H.H. Holmes, enrolled at the University of Vermont. But he didn't like it, and then he left after a year, because he's a loser, whatever. And he ended up going to the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery, and he graduated in 1884. And during this time, like, while he was at med school, he worked in an anatomy lab, which is creepy. He has this dissection. So, he was known to treat his wife, Clara, violently. And before he graduated from the University of Michigan, she actually moved out. And in, like, a, I think a letter? I don't really know what she wrote. She wrote that she, like, didn't really know him, which makes sense. And then after he graduated from the University of Michigan, he moved to New York. Not New York City, but, like, upstate New York. Wait, you mean there's more than one place in New York than New York City? Shut up. Yes. There's upstate and then there's New York City. That's it. Oh, that's it. There's nothing else. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. But, so after, like, right after he moved, there was a rumor that he was, like, the last person to be with a little boy who disappeared. But he claimed that he knew that the boy went back to his home in Massachusetts, so no investigation took place, even though this boy was missing. Wait, so he was in New York, and the boy was from Massachusetts? Yeah, I really don't know what's happening. Wait, how close is Massachusetts in New York? It's very close. Oh. It's pretty close. Never mind. No big deal. Like a few hours. Okay. It's a few hours. So, oh, so, but after, like, all these rumors spread and stuff... He, Herman, whatever, Mudgett, <laughs> he left town. And he went to Philadelphia. So, in Philadelphia, he became a keeper in a local hospital. And I have no idea what that means, but whatever, it's fine. And after a few days, though, he just quit his job. He just he just left. He was like, bye. And he ended up taking a job at a drugstore. However, 
a boy died after taking medicine that was purchased at the store. And so, but he denied any involvement and immediately left the city again. So, suspicious. So, during this entire time, he was involved in, like, many insurance fraud schemes. So many. Like, so many. And he would actually use, like, cadavers that he had from, like, his, you know, work or when he went to school for medicine and then when he worked at the hospital and stuff. He would use those to defraud life insurance companies, which is smart, but also don't do that. Yeah. I mean, it was easier to do back in the day, though. Is Exactly. Exactly. So, he ended up changing his name to Henry Howard Holmes, so H.H. Holmes, to avoid being exposed by victims of his previous scams. And that's why he changed his name. So, in 1886, while he was still married to his first wife, Clara, he married Murder Bell Knapp in Minneapolis. Wait, what was her name? Murda. I thought you said Bell-Nap. murder. And I was like, oh, that's... Murder. Murta. So, a few weeks after they got married to, like, his second wife, he filed for divorce from his first wife, Clara. But because he claimed infidelity, however, the claims weren't proven and the suit went nowhere. And it, like, said that records showed that she probably wasn't even aware that he was trying to divorce her. They were just separated. Like, that was just what was happening. Well, I mean, technically he has another name, so wouldn't that have exposed him to... I don't know. I really don't know the process of this. I, I'm really confused about the I mean, timeline. It's a lot different back then. It's it's the 1800s. It's a lawless town. A lawless town. The timeline is very confusing. Like, I'm very confused about a lot of this stuff. So, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Professionals. It's fine. So, the divorce was actually never finalized. And it was dismissed on in 19, 1891 on the ground of want of prosecution. Which means that, like, a party didn't take part in the specific action necessary for the suit to occur. So probably, like, Claire wasn't involved. So they can't just sue her if she doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. So he was married to two people at the same time. Just fun fact. As and, one does. And then in 1889, he had a daughter with Murda, his second wife, and his daughter Lucy. And then, you think two wives is too money? let's add a third (laughs) let's throw a third into the mix in 1894 he married Georgiana Yoke Yoke in Denver, Colorado while still married to both Clara and Myrna he's a great guy exactly let's talk about the house castle so any murder castle Moida 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 Okay, so in 1886, Holmes arrived in Chicago, and while he was there, he found Elizabeth S. Holton's drugstore, which was just a little drugstore on the, the corner, and he ended up getting a job there. He was found to be, like, a really hardworking, hardworking employee, and he actually eventually bought the store a few years later. So the Holtons, so Elizabeth and her husband, are often portrayed in books as one of his victims, but that's not true, because... There's records that showed they remained in Englewood, which is the area of Chicago that, like, the drugstore was in, throughout Holmes' entire life, and they survived well into the 20th century. Oh. So people just like to, like, be like, hey, he also killed these people, too. So it's another one of those just made-up things. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Okay, so, like, one of the things that, like, they said was, like, it's basically, like, America's tall tale. Like, you know what I mean? Like, everyone has heard about it most of the time. Yeah. Like, there's a few Or at people. least has heard the name. You know, like, you know, like, the the murder castle. So, 
there's a lot of like st- the story has gone through so many different versions that it's you're really not 100 percent sure what's happening yeah so that's just kind of how life is it's fine it's great so after i think after he bought the drugstore he purchased an empty lot across from the drugstore as well and then construction began in 1887 for a two-story mixed-use building which means that there was like retail spaces including a new drugstore on the first floor and then there was apartments on the second floor. However, as he was doing this, he refused to pay the architects or the steel company. And they both sued in 1888, but I don't think they won. Didn't ever say if they won or not. But he just refused to pay like anyone involved in this. I don't know, just have people do what you want and then not pay them. Exactly. Like he was he was like an insurance, like he was really good at like yeah, defrauding that's people. What he did. Like he was super good at it. Like that was just like his life. And so then in 1892, he added a third floor to his house thing. He told investors and suppliers that he wanted to use the building as a hotel during the upcoming World's Columbian Exposition or the World's Fair, the 19 or 1893 World's Fair. But the hotel portion was never finished. But as they were working on the hotel part, he continued to not pay suppliers and builders for their work. And so at some point, like furniture suppliers found... Like, they were like, where's all of our stuff going? Like, you're not paying for us for stuff, but you're taking it. And they went into the castle, and they found it all, in, like, hidden in secret rooms and passages throughout the building. And then this made the news. Well, like, they, they were, were like, very secret if they found them. I know, I know. But, like, they were secret. Like, they were not obvious. They had to, like, really search for it. Oh. You know. You know how yeah. it is. So... Like, this made the news that, like, they were like, what the heck? So all the investors pulled out of it, and I think that's why it wasn't completed. Honestly, I'm so sorry. This is not research at all. I'm just, like, realizing very quickly. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> fine. It's fine. He hired multiple contractors and, like, just kept firing them if he, think- he thought they saw too much. Oh. Which is super weird. And then the blueprints were just, like, crazy. So it's very similar to, like, the Winchester Mystery House. It's just, like, nothing makes sense. There's 51 doorways, which open to brick walls, a hundred windowless rooms, stairs leading to nowhere, two furnaces, and body-sized chutes that led to an incinerator. That sounds safe. That sounds very safe. So, let's talk about the actual murders. So, just, like, a heads up, Holmes ended up, well, first of all, he ended up getting caught and getting hanged. So he confessed to 27 murders. However, only nine of them can be, like, actually linked to him. Really? Yes. So we're going to talk about, I think we're talking about nine. I forgot to count before I did this. I'm so sorry. It's been a long day. It's fine. It's fine. So. One of the first victims was his mistress, Julia Smythe. So not only does he have three wives, he has, he has a, mistress. a mistress. He's like, dude, he's getting it. Why? Where does he find the time? He doesn't have a job because he just frauds insurance people. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So Very true. So this girl, woman, Julia Smythe, Smythe, I think it's Smythe, I'm not 100% sure. But she was the wife of Ned Connor, who had moved into Holmes's building and was working at the pharmacy's jewelry counter. So that's just kind of what he was doing. And so they were having an affair, Julia and H.H. H. Holmes. And when Ned, his, her husband, found out about his wife's affair, he quit his job and moved. And he left his wife and his daughter Pearl behind 
And they remained at the hotel, and Julia and Holmes continued their relationship. However, both Julia and her daughter disappeared on Christmas Eve of 1891. They were never found again. And he claimed that Julia had died during an abortion, but it was never actually confirmed what happened. They never found their bodies or anything. So, the second or third victim, possibly, was Emmeline Sagrande. She went missing in December of 1892 after working in the building since May of that year, and she was also thought to be having a relationship with Holmes. She was never found. Her body was never found either. So, three wives, two girlfriends. Yes, at different times. Edna Van Tassel was also another woman who vanished. I got no information about her, but she's also thought to be a victim of Holmes. I don't but know her body either. was never found either? Body was never found. Okay. So, at this around this time, um, Holmes met and became close friends with Benjamin, a guy named Benjamin P- Pietzel. Pietzel. That sounds good. Pietzel. Okay. While working in the chemical bank building nearby. I don't know what that means. I don't know what a chemical bank is. It's fine. So, this guy had a criminal past, but he was exhibiting a coal bin, which he had invented. And I don't know what that means either. Coal? Bed? Coal. Coal bin. I don't know what that means. I don't either. It's fine. So he had invented this. And he, so Holmes started using this guy as a right-hand man for several of his criminal schemes. One of these crimes was tricking this woman named Minnie Williams. She was a one-time actress. And they met. He, I don't know. It, it was very confusing. He. It was like oh, well, they met while in an employment office, but they also might have met in Boston a few years before. So it's very, like, wishy-washy because no one was tweeting everything they were doing back then in 1893. So they met. Holmes met Minnie Williams and offered her a job as the, at the hotel as a personal stenographer. And this was in 1893. And later, he convinced her to transfer the deed to her property in Fort Worth, Texas, to a man named Alexander Bond, who was an alias of H.H. Holmes. I'm sorry. And she did it? And she did it. Okay. Later, Holmes ended up signing over the property to Pietzel under the alias Benton T. Lyman. In May of 1893, Holmes and Minnie rented an apartment in Lincoln Park together, pretending to be married. And Minnie's sister, Nanny, came to visit and wrote to her aunt that she was planning on accompanying Holmes to Europe. However, after July 5th, 1893, neither Minnie nor Nanny were seen or heard from again. Oh. I know. And that was really what happened in this murder castle. Okay. After this, Holmes left Chicago in 1894 because... Insurance companies wanted to prosecute him for arson, but I literally could not find anything about what arson they were prosecuting him Didn't for. Didn't they burn a body? Maybe, probably. I but I, arson I, is pro- buildings. Oh, wait! I think something did something happen with the pharmacy or something. Maybe I know it was an insurance scheme, but like I really couldn't find anything about it. It was probably in the book. It's on lore. Go listen to lore. Oh. I should have I should have listened to that episode again. That would have been very good research. Yep. Did I do that? No. Nope. Thought about it multiple times, but I did not. Well, Fine. it's okay. Basically, just like skip the story and go listen to lore. And listen to Lexi's. And then, we'll listen to Lexi's and then go listen to lore. Just skip two Lexi's. Yes. 
We're doing great, sweetie. Okay. So, and then, so he left Chicago in 1894 and then reappeared in Fort Worth because he was using the property that he took from Minnie and her sister Nanny. And he was actually going to construct another, like, castle. So he started, like, swindling. They used the word swindle. He started swindling the suppliers again. But in er, in July of 1894, he was arrested. Because he was selling mortgage goods in St. Louis. I don't know what that means, but it's fine. But he quickly bailed out because he had money. Because he also was rich because he was swindling people left and right. You know, the usual ways to get rich. the usual. So while he was in jail, he began talking to talking to convicted outlaw Marion Hedgepath, who was serving a 25-year sentence for something that they did not name in the Wikipedia article I read. So <laughs> Holmes was making a plan to swindle an insurance company out of ten thousand dollars, which was around in, in 2018, it would have been around two hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Sure. So he was going to do this by taking out a policy on himself and faking his death. He promised Hedgepath, like the guy he was in jail with, $500 commission for the name of a lawyer who could be trusted. And Hedgepath told him to go to a guy named Jephthah Howe. And this guy thought that the plan was brilliant. But it didn't work. The insurance companies refused to pay because they were really suspicious of what was happening. So they decided that they weren't going to press the claim. They were like, whatever. How? Ever instead, they decided to do a similar plan with that guy, Benjamin Pietzel, that guy from before. Yep. So they were going to fake his death and get the insurance money. He agreed to fake his own death so that his wife could collect on a $10,000 insurance policy. They were going to split it with Holmes and the lawyer, Jephthah. <laughs> Jephthah Howe. And this was going to happen in Philadelphia. He was supposed to pretend that he was an inventor named B.F. Perry, which sounds like P.F. Chang's for some reason to me. It doesn't, but okay. But like B.F., P.F. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Sort of. My tired brain thinks I'm funny. So Holmes was supposed to... Oh, so he he was supposed to be this inventor and die in a lab explosion. And Holmes was supposed to find a cadaver that looked exactly like him. However, Holmes killed him instead. Yep. He knocked him unconscious with chloroform and set his body on fire using benzene. Oh, this, I think that's this is the body. body. On this fire. is the body. Yeah. Yes, this is the body. I remembered a body on fire. Exactly. So, forensic evidence showed that the chloroform had actually been administered after Pizzle died, which was possibly to stage a suicide. Like you okay, like I yeah. didn't do it, but he totally did it. So, Holmes Holmes was the one who collected the insurance payout. And then he didn't tell Pizzle's wife at all. His wife had five children. And instead of telling her that her husband was dead, he just was like, oh, he's fine. He's hiding out in London. It's fine. It's fine. And then he also proceeded to manipulate her and allow three of her five children, her three middle kids, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, to be taken under his custody. Don't do that. Yes. Yeah, you'll see why. So they decided they traveled throughout northern United States and into Canada. And he actually led Mrs. Pietzel, I don't know her first name, which is like really sad, but Mrs. Pietzel, like along them on a parallel route. It was just like kind of weird. Like she, he was like, you go here, go here, go here. And at one point, like they were so close to each other, they were literally only like a few blocks away from each other. Aww. So, like, but he, she never knew what was happening. And. He was also staying with one of his wives. I don't know which wife, because he had three of them. <laughs> and she didn't know what was happening either. 
I'm assuming his last wife, his third. I'm I'm assuming too, Georgiana. But while this is all happening, he was lying to Mrs. Pietzel about where her three other children were because they were they were dead. Knew it. He later, after like he was caught and stuff, he was later he confessed to murdering Alice and Nellie. This is like really sad. So if you're like not into kid murder, which like you shouldn't be anyways, like don't listen. He forced them into a large trunk and locked them inside. And then he drilled a hole in the lid and put one end of a hose in it and fixed the other to a gas line to asphyxiate the girls. He buried them under his rental home in Toronto and eventually the children were reported missing. And detectives were sent out to find homes and the missing kids. So those were the two girls. You find out. I'll tell you what happened to the boy later. I'll show you. So here comes Frank Geyer. He was a Philadelphia detective who was assigned to investigate homes and to find the kids. He actually was, like, helped find the girls' bodies in the cellar in, like, 1895. So this was a few years later. But he, like, was trying to find him. He went to Indianapolis and where Holmes was found to, like, have been renting a cottage. And at where when he was in Indianapolis, Holmes visited a local pharmacy to purchase drugs and then also a repair shop to sharpen knives, which he used to kill the third pizza child, Howard, and then dismember him. Howard's teeth and bits of his bone were found in the chimney of the Indianapolis cottage. However, Holmes' murder spree came to an end when he was arrested in Boston on November 17, 1894. He was tracked there from Philadelphia by the Pinkertons. If you don't... Okay, so Pinkertons, I, like, heard the name and I was like, what the... Like, I've heard them before. It's basically this, like, elite detective agency who have been around since 1850 who like investigate like they're like really cool so anyways that's my new dream job is to be a are thing. they still like they're there? still like very around yeah wait so they're still around mm-hmm. i'm pretty cool. sure unless i read something wrong i might have done that let's be real where to go oh so he was tracked there from by from philadelphia by the pinkertons and he was held on an outstanding warrant for horse theft in texas horse theft Horse theft because they hadn't they didn't have the proof yet about the murders but they knew they were suspicious of him and they wanted to hold him on something and he had mm-hmm. done that he had done that and he was because they were also worried that he would flee the company like flee the country why did I say company the flee company. the country with his third wife so they were just like we need to hold him so horse theft that's what we have so then after finding Alice and Nellie's bodies Chicago police and reporters began investigating the hotel building thing. And they had dubbed it the castle. And there's a lot of like sensational claims made like that you could find like torture equipment and like you found like bones in all of the bodies. Like there was one article, like one quick article I read that was like, you found the jewelry of the missing woman in the fireplace and the incinerator. But none of this was true. Oh, there was absolutely no evidence that could have convicted homes found in Chicago. Oh, well, I always thought that, um, I think it is, the, the cra- I can't think of his name. He's from American Horror Story Hotel. I think he's based off of H.H. H. Holmes. He is. Okay, yeah. I can't like one of Evan Peters' characters Cortez. in, like, Hotel. Cortez, yeah. something Cortez. Yeah. yeah, he is, he is. I like, because there's an entire section, in, I'm not going to talk about it that much, um, called pop- In Popular Culture on the Wikipedia page. And it said about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, he has, like, torture yeah. chambers, but... So I always assumed that H.H. Holmes really did, but... 
I know it's like a weird thing. It's like I said, it's kind of like a tall tale. Like you, you, you think you know a lot about this guy, but you really don't. Yeah, it's just mostly made up stories. Exactly. So, in October of eighteen ninety five, in October of eighteen ninety five, Holmes was finally put on trial for the murder of Benjamin Pietzel, and he was found guilty and sentenced to death. He was found only guilty for Benjamin Pietzel's death, and he was found guilty and sentenced to death for that. But by then, people also knew that he totally murdered his children, like the peaceful children as well. After he was sentenced, he actually confessed to 27 murders and 6 attempted murders in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto. (laughs) However, some of the people he confessed to murdering were actually still alive. What? Basically, this guy was a pathological liar. The Hearst Newspaper Corporation paid Holmes $7,500, which is about... $226,000 today for his confession. But it was mostly nonsense. Like, part of it was, like, he killed 27 people and there's some of them were still alive. And there was, like, a lot of contradictory contradictory accounts of his life. First, he was like, I'm innocent. And then he said he was possessed by Satan. And it's... He lied so much, like, through his his lifetime. So it was really difficult, like, when researchers, like, look back at it. To figure out what was real. What's happening? Yeah, they're like, what is happening? Like, what's true? What's not? On May 7th, 1896, he was saying that Moya Mensing prison in Philadelphia. So they said that he remained calm and amiable throughout the entire thing. He was just kind of chilling. However, he did ask for his coffin to be contained in cement and then buried 10 feet deep because oh, he was... Think, sorry, did he think he was a vampire? No, he was scared that grave rob- robbers would steal his body because that's what he would do. Wow. Really? Dude, you were... Dasi- mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, Yeah. <sighs> During the hanging, his neck did not snap. Mm. He was strangled to death slowly, and he was pronounced dead 20 minutes after the trap was sprung. Mm. Like a long time. So, so, that would be awful to watch, honestly. I know. So, in 1895, a little bit before he was hanged, the castle was mysteriously burned to the ground. So, it no longer exists, unfortunately. It had been pretty cool to see. Instead, it is the Englewood branch of the U.S. Post Office right now. So go there. That's where H.S. Holmes' murder castle was. And so, while writing his confessions in prison, Holmes mentioned how his face and appearance had been changing since being in prison. He said that his new appearance was gruesome and taking a satanical cast, kind of like saying that after everything he had done, he was beginning to turn into the devil and like look like the devil. In 2017, there were allegations that Holmes had actually escaped execution, and the guy they killed was not H.H. Holmes. So oh. his body was exhumed. But So because the coffin was contained in cement, his body had not decomposed normally, which is really weird. His clothes were almost perfectly preserved, and his mustache was found intact. No. Yes. Can you imagine opening been... a coffin and the, the corpse has a mustache? I'd be so concerned. Like, how frightening. How absolutely terrifying. So, thankfully, though, his body was positively identified from his teeth, and he was reburied because he was aging up. I think what it was is, like, they thought that, like, he could have been Jack the Ripper. Okay, yeah. But no, obviously not. So, one of the things that I remember, I don't even know where I read this, but one of the things that I really liked about this story was that H.H. Holmes was apparently one of the inspirations for none other than Sweeney Todd. Ah, because of, like, the house, like, yeah. having, like, a thing with the shoots and everything. They were like, wow, that's really cool. Well, when it's you like, said like a shoot that leads to the incinerary, I was like, oh, Sweeney Todd. 
Exactly. So I thought that was just really interesting. Speedy Todd is pretty cool. So the I was like, Barber, cool. Fleet Street. Fleet Street. Exactly. And then it's like very similar with the theme of devil and stuff. Because so I'm going to end with this quote. You've probably heard it before. I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than the poet can help the inspiration to sing. I was born with the evil one standing as my sponsor beside the bed where I was ushered into the world, and he has been with me since. And that's the story of A.J. Holmes. That was, that was good. Thank you. That was so long, and now yours is going to be even longer. It's okay. Everything's fine. Great. I'm very excited. <laughs> so I guess you want me to go now? I do. I would really like that. Okay. So this week, I'm going to do something different than what I usually do. Oh. By that, I mean I'm doing an unsolved crime. Oh, dun, shoot. Are you doing Don't let go. <laughs> just wait. Don't guess anymore. Just listen. <laughs> so, Aww. you know what? It's a new year, new me. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> unsolved crimes. Um, they drive me crazy. I've said that. I've never done one on here because I hate them so much. But, oh, we did John Binet. Wait, are you doing the Zodiac? We did jump in a, but that's not I'm the same doing thing. The can you just wait until I can tell you what I'm, I'm so doing? Crazy. Okay. So, anyway, it's a really good one. And Alicia actually just guessed it. She ruined it for me. It's the Zodiac Killer. Oh, I'm so excited. So I now you know why it's taken me so long to. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's like 12 pages long. It's fine. Everything's fine. So yeah, so intense. So um, if you don't know who the Zodiac Killer is, I'm gonna kind of yeah. tell you who he is. <laughs> but you know, I thought serial killers, let's go big or go home. Like, why not do the Zodiac Killer? I thought about doing Jack the Ripper. I did think about doing that, but I feel like at one point you told me I couldn't do Jack the Ripper ever. I feel like we can't. You know what I mean? You literally told me I think when we're doing like some like a like a different country crime or whatever. I feel like I I don't think that's ever been a theme. Maybe I dreamed it. Okay, anywho, <laughs> whatever. We're gonna talk about the Zodiac Killer. So get ready for a wild ride. He was a serial killer who operated in Northern California in like the 1960s through the 1970s. So way to God, every serial killer has operated in, the, in Northern <laughs> California. California. It's like, uh, that's where they all are. It's the serial killer convention. Anywho, he enjoyed taunting the police and he wrote several letters to newspaper agencies, mostly the... San Francisco Chronicle, so if you hear me say the Chronicle, it is the San Francisco San Francisco Chronicle. San Francisco. Um, so there were only four confirmed murders connected to the Zodiac Killer, but he claimed 37 murders in the letters he wrote. So I, I tried to figure out how I wanted to do this, because like I said, there are only like four confirmed so what I'm going to do, or what I did, was I first talk about the ones that were confirmed, and then I'm going to go back and talk about the other stuff and, like, mention where the confirmed ones fit into it all. Because I just felt like that was probably the easiest thing to do. Because yeah. this it's it's a lot. So let's go with the confirmed ones first. The first murder, officially linked to the Zodiac Killer, was that of David 
author Faraday, who was 17, and Betty Lou Jensen, who was 16. They were killed on December 20th, 1968. On that night, the two went on their first official date together, which hurts my heart so much. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And David, he promised Betty Lou's parents that he would have her home by 11. So shortly after 11, their car was parked um, in Lover's Lane. And after shortly after 11, their two lifeless bodies were spotted near the car. So Betty Lou's body was found near the side of the road with five bullet holes in the back, almost like she was running and was shot at because she was running. And David was found next to the car with a bullet wound in the head. He was actually still breathing when police arrived. So he was sitting there. Mm -hmm. But he died um, shortly after arriving to the hospital. So bullet holes were also found in the car's roof and back windows, indicating that the killer may have fired warning shots, like forcing the two out of the car. That This is an important part, what I'm about to say. The ammunition found on the scene was, and I don't know anything about this, but it was Winchester Western Super X copper-coated bullets. So whatever that means and the gun used was a 22 caliber weapon so the weapon and ammunition ended up tying a 1963 murder together which i'll talk about later so like i said they both died very sad they were 17 and 16 and they were on their first date which hurts my heart the next confirmed murder was 22-year-old Darlene Farron and the shooting of her friend Michael Magoo. So Darlene died and Michael didn't, but now I'm going to talk about it. (laughs) So she worked at a restaurant and she went, I guess she picked up Michael. I don't know if he worked with her. I don't know, but they were in the car together, picked her up on, and they were sitting in the Blue Rock Springs Park parking lot on July 4th, 1969. Maybe they're watching fireworks. I don't know. But she had a husband. So I don't think they were dating. I don't... Their relationship is kind of fuzzy to me and I'm very confused by why they were just sitting in a parking lot. But anyway, Michael told police that another car pulled into the lot around midnight and then left only to return minutes later. So pulled out left for like a couple minutes and then came back. The driver got out of the car, shined a bright light um, into it and fired into the car with a nine millimeter handgun. Michael was shot in the jaw, shoulder, and leg. He survived, like I said, and Darlene was hit several times and died on the way to the hospital. Oh. At 12.40, I said p.m., but I'm pretty sure I'm at a.m., a call ended up later being traced to a gas station payphone down the road. A man rang the police department and claimed responsibility for the shooting, as well as the murders on Lake Herman Road, which I'm do I do believe is Betty Lou and David. So what he said, he spoke in a low monotone voice, and he said, I want to report a murder. If you go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, you will find kids in a brown car. They were shot with a 9mm Luger. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. That was it. Can you imagine Uh, being the person who answered that phone call? I would never be a 911 Mm -mm. operator, ever. Mm -mm, No, that's, oh, no, 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 no. Too much. Too much. So you are the heroes, the unsung heroes. 
Yes, if you're listening. Yes. So, the third confirmed murder slash stabbing was on September 27th, 1969. College students Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were having a nice relaxing day along the shores of Lake Berryessa, I'm assuming that's what it says. So, near Napa, California. A man approached them holding a gun and wearing a hooded costume with a white crossed circle. You, you know, the Zodiac sign. Yes, yes. And if you don't know, be in the show or be on the Instagram page. Stitched yes. over the chest. He told them he had escaped from prison and needed money and a car to escape to Mexico. So the man then bound their wrist with pre-cut links of plastic clothesline, which is, I don't know, pre-cut just kind of just really scary. Linda, you know what's yeah. happening. Suddenly, he had them tied up. He plunged a large knife into Brian's back six times. So he switched up the ammo from gun. He had a gun, but he switched up from shooting to stabbing. He then stabbed Cecilia ten times as she fought for her life. So she struggled while he stabbed her. Oh, no. So the man then walked to Brian's car and used a pin to draw a cross circle on the door with the dates and locations of previous attacks. So I don't know if that was like the previous two that included or some that like weren't ever officially connected. But he also wrote September 27, 69, which is the day that this one took place, and the time, which was 6.30. And then like noted by knife. So it said September 27, 69, 630 by knife. This guy. This guy. So at 7.40 p.m., a man called Napa Police Department to report a double murder. The caller the caller described Brian's car, directed police to the scene of the crime, and confessed, I'm the one who did it. Police traced the call to a payphone at the car wash in Napa. So uh, Cecilia ended up dying two days later, but Brian ended up surviving. So, the final confirmed murder was on October 11th, 1969 in San Francisco. Paul Stein was a 28-year-old student, father, and cab driver. That night, Paul picked up a customer and headed for the destination. A few minutes into the ride, the passenger shot Paul in the back of the head and removed a piece of the victim's shirt. The man walked away just before police arrived, but the police radio broadcast mistakenly, mistakenly, quote, I don't know, described the suspect as a black man. Passing officers even dismissed a white man resembling the correct description. Like, they're like, oh, nope, you're white. Go ahead. It wasn't you. Fingerprints were found on the driver's side of the cab, which they think possibly were the killers, but also it could be the cab drivers, so I don't know. And a sketch was produced based on the descriptions provided by witnesses. At first, they the police thought this was a routine robbery until two days later when the office of the San Francisco Chronicle, there it is, received an envelope with a letter from, quote, the Zodiac, which began with the words, I am the murderer of the taxi driver. The envelope also contained a bloodstained piece of Paul Stein's shirt. So the Zodiac denied he left fingerprints and claimed the police sketch was inaccurate because he had worn a disguise. He also mocked police for failing to catch him and threatened to shoot children on a school bus. So 
as you can see, this guy's crazy. He just liked to play with police. And yeah. So, like I said, those are just the confirmed murders, the ones they officially connected to him. But there are several murders that were thought to have been connected to him. Like he, he said, he even, I'll tell you what he says eventually, but he claims 37. Not all 37 are known. There are like several that are like thought to be in that 37, but some of them weren't ever discovered. So, like I said earlier, he also wrote letters, you know, to police and news agencies both, and he used codes. Oh, he yeah. The co- he used code, coded messages, and even he was the one who gave himself the name the Zodiac Killer. I'm not sure why. I think there's reasoning. <laughs> Honestly, once I got, like, to the end, I kind of forgot to look up why he decided on the name Zodiac Killer. But... Yeah. So now I'm going to talk about the order of events and how they happened. And I'm going to talk about the ones like where they, that we already talked about, where they fit in. So the first suspected murder, this is the first one time-wise, uh-huh. uh, took place okay. in Santa Barbara on June 4th of 1963. So if you remember, the first one I talked about took place in... 1968, so several years before then. Robert Domingo and his fiancée, Linda Edwards, were seniors at Lompoc High School. One day in, you know, June, June 4th, that's what I said, the young couple used senior skip day to go sunbathing at the beach. So when the two didn't come home by the next day, Robert's dad went to investigate. Sadly, the dad was the one to discover their bodies in a crumbling shack on the beach. Mm-hmm. So they were both bound with rope, similar to the Brian and Cecilia murder. They were both like on the beach, uh-huh. both tied up, and shot with a twenty-two caliber weapon. It appeared that they had both tried to escape and been shot because of it. So Robert was shot 11 uh-huh. times and Linda was shot 9. The bodies had been dragged to the shack, so they weren't even in the shack when they were shot they'd been dragged there and the killer tried to start a fire but fell but it failed to take off so it was like i said never officially confirmed but it was the same ammunition as the first murder we talked about and they had the same like they were tied up like the uh brian and cecilia murder so there's a lot of names (laughs) it's a little confusing i should have done it in chronological order but i did not Sorry. Yeah. But I felt like it was more important to talk about the ones that were confirmed first. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So, anywho. Okay, so it was never first confirmed, but the same ammunition and possibly the same weapon used in the first murder, which was the killing of Betty Lou and David, the ones who were on their first day. Sad day. So, the first murder that had any sort of correspondence, so I did talk about that one from 1968 that had a phone call, but this is before that. This is in October 30th of 1966. So, 18-year-old college student Sherry Bates left a note note for her dad saying that she was going to Riverside City College's library. That's where she went to school. Um, It wasn't just some random library, so she was going to study. Uh, I don't think she was meeting anyone. I think she was just going to study. The next morning, her Volkswagen Beetle was found abandoned in the library parking lot, and her body was laying nearby. She had been stabbed several times and had her throat slashed. 
Police found a men's Timex watch at the crime scene, a print from a military boot, and some hairs in the dried blood on Sherry's hand. Her purse was intact, and an an autopsy revealed there was no evidence of sexual assault. So... About a month later, the local newspaper, as well as the police department, received very similar letters. They were typing. Typing? They were typed on a typewriter. Typing. <laughs> they were typed on a typewriter from someone claiming to be the killer. It was titled, quote, The Confession. In it, they wrote, Miss Bates was stupid. She went to slaughter like a lamb. And added, I am not sick. I am insane. In April of the next year, the newspaper, the police, and Sherry's father received very similar letters. Not to the first one, but they all received similar letters. Which read, Bates had to die. There will be more. <laughs> the notes were signed with a symbol which resembled, resembled the letter Z. Ooh, Zodiac. Yep, Z for Zodiac. So, I didn't write this down, but I remember this fact. There was another suspect in this murder. It was her ex-boyfriend, and it had ended badly. But And he was, he was thought to have done this murder but the dna evidence or so it, it didn't it ended up not being him so they're assuming uh-huh. zodiac killer so after that murder the next two murders were the 1968 murder of betty lou jensen and david faraday the two on their first date as well as the murder of darlene farron in the shooting of her friend michael so the one on july 4th the one where she was married but he was her friend and they were sitting in the car and i don't know so The next series of events were letters sent to multiple newspapers. So this was after the Darlene Farron and Michael Magoo. The first letter was sent to the Valio, Val, I want to say Valio, Valio sounds good, Times Herald on July 31st, 1969. This was the local newspaper of the town that Darlene and Michael were from. The writer claimed responsibility for the two shootings and provided details about the victims, the weapons, and the number of shots fired, plus the brand of ammunition used. So he talked about the Betty Lou, David, Darlene, and Michael. He claimed all of those because he knew details that like weren't published. So the second letter was to the Chronicle, San Francisco Chronicle, on the same day as the first, July 31st, 1969, and it was the first of three identical letters accompanied by one-third of a cipher. So, yeah. The writer demanded publication of the letters and ciphers by August 1st. So he wanted to be known, clearly. The third letter was to the San Francisco Examiner, so not the Chronicle this time, the Examiner, on July 31st, 1969. Changing it up. Changing up the location. It contained, mm-hmm. you know, second part of the cipher. The, re- the writer threatened to kill again if the newspapers did not publish the cipher. He wanted people to read them. So, but he sent them to different papers. So yeah. you'd have to get multiple papers to read the cipher but anyway it included a line that said i like killing people because it's so much fun oh that's the scariest one Mm. is it or is it the i'm not sick i'm just insane i don't know yeah the last of these four sets of letters was sent to the san francisco examiner again not the chronicle it was received on august 4th 1969 
It was sent in response to police asking for information to prove the writer actually committed the murders. So this was the first use of the name the Zodiac. So that's when he named himself in 1969. Mm -hmm. After these letters, the last two confirmed murders took place, which was the the stabbing of Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard at Lake Berryessa in September of 1969 as well as the 1969 killing of Paul Stein, which was the cab driver. So, as I said, when Paul was killed, a letter came along to... I don't actually know if I said that, but (laughs) after he was killed, a letter was sent to the Chronicle again about a month after the killing, so on November 8th. Inside this letter, it had a piece of Paul's shirt the bloody shirt that he had cut off, and a humorous greeting card. Wow. He sent greeting cards. That's what he did. So mm-hmm. messed up. It also contained another cipher Another cipher consi- consisting of 340 symbols. So this guy made up his own... This guy was insane. So the writer added, Des July Og Sept Tim or Sept like September the short for September Oct short for October equals seven so which is probably probably a reference to more ident- unidentified victims I don't know what the des means it's D E S so I don't think that means December the others are July August September October but I don't know what the des means very confused by that little tidbit uh-huh. but like I said possibly meaning unidentified victims. So, a day later, on November 9th, the Chronicle received the longest message from the Zodiac. It was seven pages long. Seven pages. Yes. This guy, almost as long as this paper I've read right now. So, he claimed that police actually stopped him near one of the crime scenes but let him go. I'm assuming that might be the cab driver one since police did stop someone matching the description but it could have been another one he also included a bomb recipe and a diagram of the explosive he was planning to make swell guy that zodiac yeah great great so on december 20th 1969 the famous attorney melvin belly belli I don't know who he is, but apparently he was famous back then. Received a letter. I have no idea who that is. Oh, me either. Okay. So, he received a letter from the Zodiac. In it, he said he feared he would kill again and asked Belly to help him. The letter ended with him saying, please help me. I cannot remain in control for much longer. Buddy, it looks like you're not in control now. So, if that's with him in control... What is him not in control? I'm so scared. Yes. Great, but... You know why I'm scared? It's because this person is still out there, and he could murder me. Yeah, but he would be old by now. You could probably take him down. Okay, you're right. He's probably like 80, 90, probably dead, honestly. Anywho, on March 22nd, 1970, seven-month pregnant... Kathleen Johns was traveling along with her infant daughter to visit her sick 
sick mother in Petaluma. While driving down the highway, another car pulled along beside her and signaled for her to pull over. So worrying something was wrong, she did, and the other driver, you know, pulled up behind her on the shoulder or whatever, and said that her tire seemed to be loose. But don't worry, I'll fix it for ya. What did he really do? He loosened the lug nuts on it, so when she drove away, her tire fell off. Being the nice, helpful human that he was, he was like, don't worry. I gotcha. I'll take you to the gas station. But as soon as she got in the car, he she felt uncomfortable. And as they started driving, he was like making veiled threats about her and her, to her and her daughter. So she grabbed her daughter and jumped out of the car. This is a seven month pregnant lady with an infant. And she jumped out. I'm assuming the car was moving. Maybe it wasn't fast, but it was moving. So. Yeah, yeah. A passing driver took Kathleen to the nearby police station where she identified the stranger from a police sketch of the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Oh, Can no. you? Oh, she survived. Can you? Oh, oh, no. Months later, a Zodiac letter mentioned a rather, a quote, a rather interesting ride with a woman and her baby. Oh, mm, can no. you imagine like seeing that written in a like newspaper and be like, that was me. Like I could have died. Mm-mm. No. No. Yeah, no, 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 no. So, after this, a- another series of letters and postcards. Most of it, most of the story is just him taunting police. There were, I mean, like you said, oh. like 37 is what he claims, but most of them is just him being crazy and playing with the police. So, these ones were sent, all of them, to his favorite, the San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> So, these were sent between April 20th and July 26th of 1970. April 20th, the Chronicle received a letter including a 13-symbol cipher and a diagram of a bomb designed designed to kill children on a school bus. Uh, I don't think there were ever any bombings of children on a school bus, so... Or anything with children on a school bus that was ever connected to him, so that's good. That didn't happen. I think he was probably just doing that part for shock value, I would assume. I mean, he, all he was doing was already shocking, but whatever. He also denied responsibility for a recent police station bombing that killed an officer, which seems pretty sketch, since in that same letter, he was sending them a diagram of a bomb. Hmm, I don't know about that. So, on April 28th, eight days later... The Zodiac sent a greeting card to the Chronicle, because why not? Inside the card, the Zodiac demanded publication of his bomb threats and insisted that the people of San Francisco Bay Area wear Zodiac buttons, which feature his chosen symbol, the cross circle. He wanted the people to wear his buttons. Of course. Because why not? Why not do something really weird? So, (laughs) June 26th, another letter. This one contained Uh a map of the San Francisco Bay Area with a cross circle on the peak of Mount Diablo and a code to locate the Zodiac's bomb. So I guess he did plant a bomb. I don't know if there was a bomb found Uh or what. But the writer claimed he would kill again. Or he had killed again. Oh, no. Because that's what he did with his life. July 24th. This is about, what, like three months later? Another letter, the Zodiac complained that people weren't wearing his cross-covered buttons. He just wanted the people <laughs> to wear his buttons. Like, this what a jerk. this dude threw a hissy fit because no one was wearing his buttons. Okay. 
And he claimed that he was responsible for the failed abduction of Kathleen Johns, which was the pregnant lady, in March. So July 26, two days later, a five-page letter, he is into writing some letters, where where he described torturing his victims and quoted from the Gilbert and Sullivan music musical the Mikado I've never heard of that musical but he quotes from it in a couple of his letters the the letter also explained that the Mount Diablo code concerned geometric angles known as radians wow Uh, he's so full of himself so nerdy so full of himself by this point I know you guys are getting real tired of hearing me talk but I promise you we're almost (laughs) done we're almost there, I promise. We're, almost, We're there. almost there. This is the last possibly connected Zodiac murder that I'm going to talk about, which is that of 25-year-old Donna Lass on September 26, 1970. She was a nurse, and on that night at the hospital, her last log entry in her log book, I don't know if that's like the last time she checked on a patient or whatever, was at 1.50 a.m., Later, I think that day, her car was found abandoned near her apartment, but her body was nowhere to be found. An unidentified man Uh called into Donna's work to say that there was a family emergency, but her family said that that wasn't true. There was no emergency. The man was never identified, and her body was never found. Oh, no. Oh, I talk about that because I end up bringing... He talks about it in another one of his letters. So... The next and final series of events where you guessed it, more letters. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. I tell you, he loves letter writing. So, letters and postcards to news agencies and police. No, these are all news agencies. Oh my gosh, I hate this guy. Yeah, he's very pompous. Um, October 5th, 1970, a postcard was sent to the Chronicle. The message was constructed with text clips from other sources. Some lines read, Some of them fought. It was horrible. Or, The pace isn't any slower. In fact, it's just one big 13th, which I guess means he killed 13 people. Um, I actually, like, the website I got all this information from, it shows pictures of the cards. And so it's real weird on that line. The pace isn't any slower. Um, all of it, it's the same font. And then he like pasted the uh, just one big, and then he pasted thirteenth, and it's a different font. So whatever it was, that like that wasn't how the sentence was supposed to end. He made it up right, to make sense to him, but no one else. So twenty-two days after that letter was sent, a Halloween card was sent. This was on October 27th. He was in a festive mood that year, and it was sent to a Chronicle reporter, Paul Avery. It's like Stephen Avery. I know. I almost put Stephen Avery when I was typing this earlier. I was like, no, stop. It's Paul. So the writer misspelled Avery's name as Averly. So I feel like that was like an intentional thing, like get under his skin. And the number, it was a four, and then the word teen was interpreted as a possible reference to an unidentified 14th victim. So he had the 13th last, and now the 14th. So, March 13th, 1971, the LA Times received a letter. In it, the Zodiac suggested he was responsible for the unsolved murder of Sherry Jo Bates, which was the college student at the library. 
and that happened in 1966. So this is 1971 when he's writing the letter, and he's claiming it from 1966. So now we're at March. Sorry, this is a real confusing timeline. I apologize, everyone. March 27th, 22nd, 1971, reporter Paul Avery received yet another postcard in which his name was spelt Averly again. He's the worst. He he really is. He's besides the fact he kills people, he just he's just a jerk. So this one featured an advertisement for a condominium project near Lake Tahoe, Nevada, with the phrases past Lake Tahoe areas and sought victim twelve. So some think that this is a cryptic message um, as a clue to Donna Lass's disappearance, because she disappeared, I didn't say that, sorry, from Lake Tahoe. So they think that maybe her body could be buried close to the condominium or maybe like buried underneath the condominium you know how they clear out land i don't her body was never found but that's what they think that message means i'm on the last page we're in the home stretch i promise we're we're literally i see the end we're there we're almost there so the next two correspondents were sent to the Chronicle, of course. Uh, January 29th, in the letter, the writer alluded to a possible suicide. So I don't know if he meant that he was going to commit suicide. Maybe he was like, I'm done. I don't know. And another quote from the musical, The Mikado. The notation on it, this this uh, line is really, it's creepy, but not in the like, I like to kill people way, but creepy as in like, he, I don't know. Anyway, he says, me, 37, SFPD, like San Francisco Police Department, zero. Like, he was keeping score. Like, it was just a whole big game to him. So, like, that in itself is very disturbing. This was interpreting as, like, a box score um, indicating 37 victims. So, this is one of the last, like, correspondence. So, that's why the, the estimated number is 37. Because that's what he's claiming in, like, one of his last letters he wrote. February 14th of 1974. A postcard in which the writer referred to the SLA, or Symbionese Liberation Army. Which is the militant group responsible for the abduction of... Patty Hearst. Yes. In it, he mentions how the letters SLA spell the old Norse word meaning kill. So I don't know if he was... I I don't know what that has to do with him. He just wanted people to know that. I don't know. And that message was signed a friend. Oh, that's the creepiest. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. So there are a few more letters that I didn't mention. Like, there are two more after this. Um, And then there was one that happened in Albany where he was like, I'm not dead. Stop saying I'm dead. But I didn't add it. Yeah, Albany, New York, because it was in Albany, New York. So I don't, and they're not sure if it was a copycat. So didn't really talk about that. I left out a lot of stuff. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) He was never caught. Yeah. And police are hoping now they can use hopefully use DNA, the DNA evidence and the ancestral ancestral DNA like they did for the Golden State Killer to hopefully track this guy down. But like I said, um, there are a few suspects like that ex-boyfriend and there was a guy who was suspected, but in 2009, they, I can't remember his name. I didn't, I'm just remembering this off the top of my head. The DNA didn't match. So... There's really never been like a 
number one suspect in this case. And I know I didn't, I left out probably a lot of stuff. And I feel like we could have done like a whole episode on just this guy alone. Yeah, probably. But <laughs> here I am being an overachiever and trying to cram you're it. Doing, you're cram doing it great, all. sweetie. <sighs> Thanks. But um, I got all of this information from history.com, which, and it would like, um, if you go onto, or I mean, I just Googled um, Zodiac Killer. It was like the second, third link. But if you go to the history.com, it does, has like a timeline. And I, I'll try to remember to put it in the show notes because it has like a timeline, yeah. like in order, unlike me. <laughs> but I wanted to put like the official ones first. I just felt like it was more important. So I suggest checking that out or you can you know go on wikipedia but yeah that's all i have for that and so possibly to be continued i don't know <laughs> maybe we'll bring it up again you did great yeah thanks it was it was <laughs> that was a lot of work because i was like i know i'm gonna just talk about this forever and that's why i said like we could do like a whole episode on we, this well, we easily could i'm sure there's a podcast about him somewhere i tried to find one but I, I, it was overwhelming. Yeah, so many. But yeah, that was the Zodiac Killer. You did a great job. I'm proud of you. Thanks. That was. I'm sorry. That's a probably a long episode, okay. you guys. I'll try to cut out as much as possible. But yeah, let's. Uh, we have some good things to talk about, don't we? Alicia? Do we have the same one? We definitely have the same one. Yeah. Okay. Let's say our own. Okay. Let's say no. Let's say our own, and then we'll say that one okay i'll say you you go first um well so i went to austin which is the first time i'd ever like really been in texas it was really cool my favorite part of it so i don't know do you have any in kentucky like the bird scooters no not will be not in paducah but i know yeah yeah so we got to ride those around austin which was so much fun i was so scared i was gonna fall because i'm so clumsy but it was like it was really cool and like we were just zooming around and I loved it. That was just like the funnest part. And then also eating like Texas barbecue. We only really mm. barbecue on the last day because the convention we went to like provided a lot of food. But we went to like this place that had like the best barbecue and it was so good. Oh, so that's my good thing. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm glad you enjoyed Texas. I have a lot of family in Texas. I've um, been to San Antonio and I absolutely love San Antonio. But yeah, Texas is a good state. Yeah, it was cool. I just I don't think I'd live there. <laughs> good state. Um, my good thing. Oh gosh. Uh, there's one good thing, and it's like Venus just Alicia's both good thing. But um, I guess New Year's Eve. Like, I know I talked about it already, uh-huh. but I just had so much fun New Year's Eve. I had fun ringing in with my my with my friends and. Like, usually I ring it in with, um, like, my best friend Alyssa and our families, because our families are best friends, but she lives in St. Louis, so it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah. But I had so much fun. We ate good food. We got, like, a Chick-fil-A chicken nugget platter, and like I said, we played games, and then, like, 20 minutes into the new year, this guy that was there, he is an admin for a <laughs> Facebook, like, page, like, our, like, Art Center Facebook page, like, here in Paducah. Uh-huh. And he accidentally changed their profile picture to a picture of himself <laughs> and so had a freak out. And it was hilarious. Like, not for him, but for us. So his New Year started in a panic. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed New Year's. I'm tired from... I haven't, like, stopped working since New Year's Day. But you're making bank. And you need that I money. Am. 
It's bridal Christmas, which means it's been crazy. But you need that money because... Because... Oh, wait. How are we going to say this? I'll say it. I'll say it. Um, Because I'm going to go visit Alicia in May. I'm so excited. So we've been... Okay. When... How long? It's been over a year since I've actually seen... It's been a year and like five days. Which is crazy. Yeah. And so on the day i think it was it was on january 2nd i i like saw the memories of me leaving the dcp and i was like oh my gosh i haven't seen alicia in a year i was really sad about it and i texted her what did i say i was like when would be a good time for me to come yeah, see yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so she was like i can't do this time this time this time i was like what about may i was like is may good and so I'm gonna go see Alicia May 7th through May 14th. I'm really excited. That's a whole like long week. I'm still in school during that mm-hmm. time, but it'll be fine. We I'll try to get <laughs> out of as many obligations as possible. But she'll yeah, no, I like picked like a time where she's still in school. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> she will sleep on the floor of my room. Yeah, and then we're going to. I think it's only for a couple days that. We're going to be at the school because then we're going to go to Portland that weekend. Yeah, we're going to Portland that weekend because that's where I'm from. So, like, we'll stay at my house and stuff. And we're going to do something fun. We're going to talk about it right now because we need to keep it a surprise. But I'm really excited. And I'm probably going to vlog. We're going to vlog while I'm there. It'll be great. I feel really bad that you're coming to Eugene because there's really nothing to do. But we'll find find stuff to do. Well, I, uh, yeah. So, I'm really excited about this trip, too, because I'm flying out of paducah which is like i've never it's a real super small airport like you have to walk out on to the, Ooh, the like yeah. to like get on the plane so it's super small airport but i found like super cheap flights i mean it's not super cheap but it's cheaper than <laughs> but, i thought yeah from paducah to eugene so like not having to really i'm not having to drive to nashville to fly out and i'm not having to drive to eugene from portland where i was gonna fly in so yeah, it's it all worked out really well. I realized it was on Mother's Day weekend. <laughs> After you bought the tickets? After I bought the tickets. <laughs> but my mom, my, my brother wasn't here last year on Mother's Day. He was in New York. So I told told her I'd bring her back some presents. <laughs> some very specific presents. <laughs> yes, very specific presents. <laughs> but I'm super excited and I know. I'm excited because we'll actually be able to record one of these like while we're looking at each other in the eyes. Yes! It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, because we've never done that. We've never done that before. But <laughs> I mean, when we started out, we would do FaceTime, but... It started like messing with our different. audio. Yeah, but I'm super excited. Oh. I'm so yeah, that's like a super good thing. I'm definitely going to vlog about it. Yes, I'm really excited. I Like, like I said, I haven't seen anyone from Disney in so long. Oh yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm gonna count. I don't know how many days it is. I'm not gonna count the down the days until it's like I can't. two. Like it's sooner than a hundred. Hundred, hundred and twenty. That's so many days. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, so you guys will actually get a hair an episode of us together. We have to like do something awesome. Oh, she's like really good. Well, we we we. Oh wait, depends. Like, okay, it'll be fine. It'll be great. I'm so excited. Yeah. So guys, don't forget to. Go uh, like, subscribe, download, rate, review. What's our uh, Instagram and Facebook at Happy Haunts Podcast? Yeah, and you guys, um, yeah, I don't. What, how do I end this? Oh, <laughs> it's so long. Okay, hold on. I know what it is. 
Happy haunts, everyone. Goodbye.